Be Wealthy and Smart, episode 719. a world of wealth and financial freedom without budgets, boredom, or bosses on Be Wealthy and Smart. And now, here's your host, Linda P. Jones. Welcome to Be Wealthy and Smart. I'm Linda P. Jones, America's Wealth Mentor, empowering women and men worldwide to financial freedom. On today's show, we're going to talk about the biotech boom. And that's because there's lots of healthcare companies that are doing well, not just because of the coronavirus, but also because of the aging population, the demographics worldwide, not just in the US, and also lots of innovation that's happening. So there is an overall trend of biotech, healthcare, et cetera, doing really well. And I wanted to share some of the top performing ETFs with you. This is from Investors Business Daily, so we will be talking about that in just a minute. And I will be sharing the top performing ETFs for year-to-date and a three- and five-year average. But before I do that, I wanted to talk about today's news because the news came out with a big unemployment number. We had 20.5 million jobs lost in April and unemployment soared to 14.7%. So of course, the news is all a Twitter about this being another depression. All right, well, let me just address that because in my opinion, we are not in a depression. In fact, we aren't even officially in a recession yet because the definition of a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative gross domestic product, GDP. Our GDP did turn out to be negative in the first quarter, even though we had two positive months and everything was going great until March when the economy started to shut down. And then, of course, we've had April in the quarantine situation, the social distancing at home. And now we're into May and we're starting to see some states open up. We're starting to see and here, different dates, different countries. All around the world, we have different points where things are opening up again, but the good news is we're on the opening up side. We're not on the closing down side anymore. But it means that this could go through June and we may have three really tough months where there was economic contraction. But even so, that would give us a second quarter of negative GDP growth through the end of June. So if at the end of June we had negative growth in the second quarter, plus we had the negative first quarter growth, then officially at the end of June we could say, yes, we are in a recession. By that time, we might be on our way out of the recession. Who knows? So. We'll see how that all turns out. But nonetheless, I do not feel that we're in a Great Depression by any means. And while there are issues and problems and fears and things are not going to go all smoothly, some businesses are going to have more trouble than others. After doing some deeper research, what I've seen is that 
In a time when you have a steep sell-off like this that was not because of an economic reason, remember this was started from a health reason, not an economic reason, and that's a huge difference. So this started from a decent economy, a well-functioning economy, and overnight it was shifted because of a health concern. When you have something like that, often on the other side, you can see a rebound that is almost symmetrical to the decline. And that's what we're in right now. That's why the stock market has had this sharp rebound. It's almost been symmetrical to the decline. That doesn't mean that I think we're going to go on and go up from here and that the lows are in. I think the lows are in for now, but I do think we're going to have some issues later on that I did talk about in my stock market forecast for 2020. But here's a point that I'm not hearing anyone talk about. And that is that companies can often quickly reduce their costs and maintain their profitability. Now, just think about this. Think about a company that normally would have an advertising budget and they would be advertising and spending a lot of money on advertising. But because of the quarantine situation, they might have stopped all of their advertising because, well, why advertise? People weren't buying. That saved them money. And ultimately, they were able to cut a cost that did not mean they had to lay off any employees, but yet, it could slash significant expenses quite easily that would allow them to maintain profitability. Now, that might sound pie in the sky to you, but actually the research is that companies can do just that. In a downturn, they're able to reduce their expenses really quickly. And when I thought about it, the obvious expense to me was advertising. And of course, we have heard Facebook and Google, Alphabet, complain that their advertising revenues are down. Well, that's probably because companies cut their ad budgets to save that money, reduce expenses without having to lay anyone off. And it makes perfect sense. What does that mean and what am I saying? That means that these companies that can cut expenses, even though their sales are lower, their profitability stays intact because they were able to cut expenses. So that means we'll see some companies weather through this fairly well, hopefully. Others, not so much. And some of them we won't know really till after September because they took government money, which meant they agreed to not lay off anyone until the end of September. And so we might see some layoffs announced on October 1st with companies that were waiting to be able to lay off some people because their sales have been reduced on a more permanent basis or it's just gonna take them longer to get back to normal levels and they're gonna to have to lay off some people in the meantime just to balance things out a bit on their income statement so that they're not operating in the red. But through all of this, some of the healthiest companies we've seen have been biotech, healthcare, etc. And like I said, it's not just because of the coronavirus, it's because it is a demographic trend. It is part of the cycle that we're in. And so I'm gonna share with you this article from Investors Business Daily. 
which are ETFs that are U.S. healthcare ETFs ranked by their year-to-date returns. And then I'll also give you the three and five-year averages. Okay, so the top performing U.S. healthcare ETF is the ARK Genomic Revolution, symbol ARKG. Year-to-date, it's up 16.1%. For three years, up 27.8%. And for five years, up 12.1%. Next is the iShares NASDAQ Biotechnology ETF, symbol IBB. Year-to-date, up 2.6%. For three years, up 9.1%. And five years, up 0.6%. Number three is the First Trust NYSE ARCA Biotech, symbol FBT. Year-to-date, up 2.2% for three years up 13.9% and five years up 4.7%. Number four is the Spider S&P Biotech, symbol XBI. It's down 1.3% year to date, but up 11.5% for three years and 4.1% for five years. Number five is the First Trust Healthcare AlphaDex, symbol FXH, down 1.6% year to date, up 10.3% for three years and 3.9% for five years. Then the iShares Global Healthcare ETF, symbol IXJ, down 2.5% year-to-date, up 11.4% for three years and 5.9% for five years. And the iShares U.S. Healthcare ETF, symbol IYH, down 2.7% year-to-date, up 12.2% for three years and 7.4% for five years. Also on this list is the Vanguard Healthcare ETF, symbol VHT. Since a lot of us use Vanguard ETFs, that's good to know they've got something in this space. It's down 3.1% year-to-date, up 12.5% for three years, and up 7.6% for five years. So I will post this in the show notes. You will have to click through to my website to see it because... It doesn't allow me to post graphs and charts in the show notes. So anyway, there will be a link. It will take you to my website and you can see the full chart there. So a few things about that. First of all, while we are in the middle of a biotech boom, this is not necessarily a recommendation for you to run out and buy these. They are at all-time highs right now, and I do anticipate another pullback. But why do I give you the good performers when they're at their high? Well, number one, I want you to know where the good performance is. And number two, I want you to just make note of it so that maybe if there's another sharp pullback, which there will be, there always is, you'll have the opportunity to buy low. And that's the time to buy is when these things have a pullback, not when they're at their all-time highs, in my opinion. So I would recommend that you just make a note of these and wait for a pullback. I would also recommend that you do more research. These have different holdings in them. Some of them have different objectives. They're not all able to be compared apples to apples. So I would definitely go to their website, look at their fact sheet, look at their top holdings, do your research, really drill down on these different ETFs and see what's in them and what makes them different and determine what it is that you like and what you might be more interested in. And finally, always consider your overall asset allocation. So you know our basic asset allocation always has small caps, mid caps, large caps, some international emerging markets. 
real estate if you want. And then you have your sector ETFs that you can put in there from three to 20% of your portfolio in these specialty sector ETFs. So I wouldn't go putting any enormous amount of money into an ETF like this. This is a specialty ETF. That means it's not diversified. It's all in the same category. Every stock in this ETF is in the same sector. So there isn't adequate diversification like you have in the S&P 500 or a general mid cap or small cap ETF. This is sector specific, which means you have more volatility, more range of high to high and low to low. So you need to be careful because these will fluctuate a lot more than your average ETF in your asset allocation model. Definitely use caution here. Again, this is not the time to buy these. Don't rush out and buy these. They will just go down. So they're going to roll over soon. So just wait for that pullback when you can get in at a better price. That's my advice. And always make sure that it's the correct risk for you, that you're not taking more risks than usual, and speak to your investment professional before making any investment decisions. And don't just take my word for it. Please do more research. If you're looking to increase your financial knowledge, check out my full wealth mentoring library of all of my podcasts, which are not on iTunes. They're over at my website at lindapjones.com forward slash podcasts. There's a search box. You can enter any topics you're interested in and learn more to get to financial freedom faster. And if you're looking for a millionaire action plan, that's in my book, You're Already a Wealth Heiress, Now Think and Act Like One, Six Practical Steps to Make It a Reality Now. I teach you everything you need to get on the path to making your first or next million. And that's available on Amazon, or if you're outside the US, it's available on amazon.uk, and there are links in the show notes for that. And if you're ready to get your money working harder for you, consider joining the VIP experience. That's my inner investing circle. There's information about it on my website, on my homepage. There is a box that you can click that's called What is the VIP Experience? And it gives you all the details there. And if you prefer, you can answer a few short questions and we can set up a time to talk. That's all for today. Until next time, live the good life and be wealthy and smart. Thank you for listening to Be Wealthy and Smart with Linda P. Jones. Share the wealth and tell your family and friends about the show. Check out our website, blog, and social media for more riches at www.bewealthyandsmart.com.